Hello and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, and today's episode is all about tarot card spreads. So I may have touched on this subject in other podcast episodes, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on it, uh, thanks to the suggestion of one of my Patreon patrons, Alex. Um, Thanks again for being a listener and a patron. So... Alex asked me what my favorite tarot card spreads were and how I determine what spread to use as well as how I figure out what cards in different spreads are in context. Um, So this is one of my favorite things to think about with tarot and I've gone back and forth over the years with how I read. So um, first off, let's just get some basic definitions out of the way. A tarot card spread is any layout of cards. Um, Traditionally, when you think of a tarot card spread, you think of each card being assigned a specific meaning. So, you know, the first card you draw can be the past, and the second card can be the present, and the third card can be the future. That's what you think of, but a tarot card spread doesn't have to be that way at all. And in fact, a lot of the readings I do these days don't have any set meanings. Um, there's a million tarot card spreads for almost anything you can possibly imagine. You you can Google and find tons of spreads for everything ranging from, you know, moon phase spreads to past life spreads to, you know, good tried and true classics such as the Celtic Cross, which is one of my favorites. And you can also just find some simple three card spreads. So back in my early days as a tarot card reader, when I was going off of the book for everything, and I was using a vampire tarot that had minors I still don't particularly care for, especially the wands, um, reading with that deck and reading that way, I was very reliant on tarot card spreads. I needed to know what it meant when I put a card down, because I didn't know the deck as well. So pulling a single card really didn't help me. And that's something else I've talked about before. Single cards really don't do a whole lot for me. Um, I do sometimes still offer single card spreads to people, or single card readings, I should say. It's not really a spread if it's just one card. But for the most part, I don't do single cards because I prefer context. It's fine to draw a single card to think about it and its message, but as far as the actual effect of tarot that I prefer to have, um, definitely I go for at least two, if not more cards. More cards doesn't necessarily mean better either. You know, you don't want to confuse a reading by having all these extraneous cards that may mean similar things. In fact, my, my beloved Celtic cross can sometimes have those issues. Um, I'm actually going to prepare a PDF file to go with this podcast episode, uh, and that's going to have all of the spreads I've talked about, or the, the main ones I've talked about in it. So if you would like that PDF, um, I'll see if I can attach some kind of link to the bio or, or info of this episode, but if not, uh, shoot me an email at antifragiletarot at gmail.com. And I'm going to upload it for all my patrons as well. So if you're a Patreon patron, it'll be up there. Um, 
But yeah, even my beloved Celtic cross can get a little bit extraneous. So, all right, I've said Celtic cross like three times. I should probably go into it. Um, the Celtic cross is a spread that's in a lot of what we call the little white books or the little small books of meanings that come with tarot decks. Um, it's also one that you're likely to see if you're going to a paid tarot card reader. I don't tend to offer them at my events anymore when I work in-person events, partly because um, it's just a lot to take in, especially for someone who's not necessarily well-versed with tarot. I also do a lot of five-minute readings, and it's kind of funny because I've gotten to the point with tarot where my readings are so concise that I can bang out a Celtic cross in five minutes. I mean, you can obviously take 15 minutes or an hour going over a Celtic cross if you want, but you know, I'm not trying to look down on other readers at all because every reader is different and all of our reading styles or most of our reading styles are pretty valid and going too fast isn't necessarily a good thing either. Isn't necessarily a good thing, but I don't understand when people say it takes them an hour, an hour and a half to go over a Celtic cross. And unless you're going over every single tiny detail about the card and all the possible meanings, I feel like if you can't get the message of a Celtic cross with, you know, maybe a solid 10 minutes of talking about it, and that's including going over some of the more minute details in the cards, I'm just not sure if you're really getting a clear message from that reading. So what is a Celtic cross after I've said it for the last five minutes? A Celtic cross is a very popular, usually 10 card spread. Um, it's called the Celtic cross for two reasons. One, the cards on the left side of the spread make a cross because there's a center card, there's two cards on either side of it, and there's two cards, one on top and one below. So that makes a T shape or a cross. And that center card also has another card laid on top of it. When I'm doing PDF readings for people, uh, I usually have that card underneath the center card instead of on top of it, kind of like resting sideways on the bottom of the card so that it's more easily visible. But that, that card is what's crossing the issue at hand. So again, I'll have a diagram, but if you want to Google Celtic cross spread, now's a good time. Um, and the Celtic cross is also a, a spread that is prone to... Um, being reimagined, I guess, is one way to put it. Everyone has their own spin on it. I have my own spin on it that I'll get to. My Celtic cross is actually 11 cards, not 10. So this is a this is a basic version of the Celtic cross. Don't be concerned if whatever you pull up to look at has slightly different meanings for the positions. They should be roughly equivalent. Um, you know, and again, when you're looking at tarot information online, I really recommend that you try to find a well-respected source. Um, some well-respected sources that I trust that I go to are biddytarot.com. Even though she is really pushy about selling her stuff, she has so much free information there that, you know, you kind of got to take the good with the, the pushy. Um, you have littleredtarot.com, which is one of my all-time favorite sites. Again, I get nothing for promoting these sites. I'm not linked or affiliated with them. I just like them. 
uh, Little Red Tarot's alternative tarot course changed the way that I read tarot. And I really like them because they have a big focus on queering up tarot. They have a big focus on diversifying tarot uh, racially, gender-wise, sexuality-wise, what have you. So I really like that about Little Red Tarot. Um, Benabel Wen has a ton of amazing resources. I also love her presentation, her approach. Um, I'm taking her astrology course. I haven't touched it in a while because nursing school took over my life. But over the summer, I might try to recommit to it so I can start offering some astrology. Um, I'm sure there's some other good, free, reliable resources than Biddy, Little Red Tarot, and Benabel Wen. Um, Tarot Association of the UK is one, again, a little pushy with trying to sell stuff to you, but if you have money, I've done a couple of their little things. It's been fun. Um, and Facebook groups such as Tarot Nerds and Shauna Hill. Uh, a lot of the tarot apps also have some spreads for you to play with, especially Galaxy Tarot. So those are some great resources to utilize. You know, anyone can have a blog on the internet. That's its beauty. That's its curse. So I just suggest that you exercise as much caution as you can when getting tarot information on the internet. Because again, I've, I've emphasized that it's important to have your own spin on the cards. It's important to have your own personal connotations. But when you're discovering them, I don't, I don't think it's useful and it could be really counterproductive to find someone who insists that their way is the best way and you find out that their intuitive reading of the cards that they're presenting as absolute fact doesn't have much basis in the history of the cards. You know, it's fine for, for you to say, listen, you know, I, I see this card or this spread very differently than other readers. I make no bones of that fact when I have some of those idiosyncrasies of my own. You know, whenever I'm reading for someone who's familiar with the Celtic Cross, I let them know this is how I change this. Whenever I'm reading certain cards, I you know mention that sometimes it's a slightly idiosyncratic take on it, like my Seven of Pentacles that I mentioned in a previous podcast episode. Um, I view that card a little with a little bit of difference to its act, actual meaning, and I put that in air quotes, not that you could see that. So again, just be really careful of where you're getting this info from. But, you know, you can pause this podcast, go find one of those things or uh, email me with your email and listen to this podcast after you get my handout um, so you can see what I'm talking about. So the Celtic cross consists of the first card that you lay down. Um, and that is the issue at hand, the, the topic of the reading. If you know it from what your client has told you, then great. And if you don't, then that can be a starting point for you. Um, the next card, the card that crosses it or complicates it. So, you know, you have a card. This is the subject, but this is the conflict. If we're going to put it in storytelling terms, um, there's different ways that you can choose to do this. You can just make it the next card. I certainly do that sometimes. Or one thing I've been doing recently is waiting until the end of the reading, not the end of the reading, but the end of laying down all the rest of the cards, and either pulling that card from the bottom of the deck, 
as kind of like a shadow card kind of thing, which is another popular concept in tarot right now, which is taking the bottom card and using that as, you know, what's what's the shadow of the situation? Or simply just having it be the last card that you pull after all the others. Um, those are both, those are all cool ideas. Uh, go with what you like. Doesn't really matter in my opinion. You know, it's the nice thing about tarot and tarot spreads is that they're customizable. So you have that, you have the, the issue at hand and what's crossing it. To the left of that, you lay out the most recent past. To the right of those two little cards in the center, or one if you've, you're still just drawing it out the way that I mentioned that I've been doing recently, you have the recent or the near future. Assuming that you change nothing, that's the big thing with tarot. It's all a big, you know, this is, this is what the cards are saying will happen now, but the choices that you make could change that or other things that may not be seen yet. So then you have the card below and the card above. Now these are these cards in particular are two cards that um, have a lot of different interpretations for them. I like to read it as the card below being your subconscious, kind of what is guiding you whether or not you realize its impact. Um, and then the card on top is kind of the, the image that you're projecting so one thing I like to tell my clients is that if that top card and the bottom card don't mesh, that may be something that you want to look at. You know, if subconsciously you're driven by the the Knight of Cups, you know, all you want right now is to find a relationship, but your projection is the Four of Swords, that you're just kind of taking a mental break right now, you know, that's not a good strategy necessarily if what you're trying to project is that you're trying to find a partner and maybe you'd like to change that maybe you'd like to get out of your shell more whereas if subconsciously let's say you have the four of swords again subconsciously you are making all these choices that are going to help you just take a mental break you know that you're overwhelmed you're in over your head and it's time for you to calm down and consciously you're projecting the star that you're looking for some guidance outside of yourself, that's not a bad mesh. That that actually makes some sense because, you know, maybe if you're making these choices that say that you want to take a break and you're projecting that you're looking for someone to help you, maybe someone will be more likely to help you because they know what you're looking for. So those are just some, that's some interplay right there between the cards. Um, the next card in the Celtic Cross is the uh, how you like kind of the 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 querent or the client, and they're how they are right now, how they're feeling, what's up with them. It's sort of similar to the last set, but not really, because those are those are kind of actions and influences, whereas this is more of kind of like all right, work with this right now. The next card which is laid on top of that. These these cards I'm talking about right now are laid in what's often called the staff in a straight line next to the cross. So going bottom to top. So that first card, the, the, the client and how they are right now, that would be laid approximately on the same level as the subconscious card. And you just move up from there, move up the table, let's say, towards you if you're making sure that your client can see you. So the card on top of that are outside influences, outside perspectives. Um, I often view this as outside pressures. 
You know, if you get the emperor in that spot, you are really subject right now to, you know, what other people want you to be doing, other people's governance. For me, I had that come up when uh, I wanted to get my tubes tied. And, you know, it was kind of blocking me because the patriarchy makes it hard. And not just that, but also, you know, my job being the emperor of my life and not, I can't get the time off for it, for that. So, um, on top of that, that's where, this is the next set of cards is where I make my change. So in a traditional Celtic cross, hopes and fears are one card. You know, your greatest hope is your greatest fear, all of that stuff. I get it. I think that there's a value in that. Absolutely. But it's not how I like to read. I like clarity. My readings are here to provide you clarity. And I often find that splitting hopes and fears into their own individual cards really helps illuminate the relationship between that. And all more often than not, I still get that your greatest hope is your greatest fear nonsense coming up. A lot of the times I get a very positive card for the fear. And that's often because someone has something that they don't want to let go. Uh, and then the final card, again, this is a personal choice. I have a word of advice. A lot of people will read it as outcome, but I don't consider myself a predictive reader. So that's that. Now that's 11 cards that we just talked about. And that can be really daunting, you know, especially for a newbie reader or even for someone getting a tarot card reading. It looks really impressive. But I, I honestly find the Celtic Cross to be really approachable because each card has a set meaning. You can work within that. There is a lot of information to go on. So if you're having trouble pinpointing what one card could possibly mean, you know, the lovers is such a big card. It has so many meanings. But if you're drawing a lot of other cards about romance, then it could certainly be about a romantic relationship. If you're drawing a lot of cards about, you know, letting things go, then it could indicate that you haven't found that important presence in your life. Um, you know, with tarot card spreads, context is, is absolutely key. And it's not just what position the card is in although that certainly changes things but it's also its context with other cards the the three of cups for example is one of my favorite cards to read in general but especially in context and it's a great example for this the three of cups I, I like to call it the brunch card because you know it shows three people uh, with cups of you know presumably wine they're dancing they're having a nice time it's such a lovely friendship kind of card. You know, there's a few bars named after this place. But if you get the three of cards in, or the three of cups in a slot of what you need to leave behind or what's holding you back, you know, maybe you're focusing on partying too much. Or if all the other, you know, if, if you get the three of cups next to the five of cups, um, you know, you might need to, walk away from that good feeling even though you've put a lot of time into those friendships so that's where context in tarot card spreads is really critical and so if you find the celtic cross to be too many cards it's intimidating you find it kind of boring you know that's fine um i like to do smaller spreads as well mostly at this point in my life i like to do 
spreads that have no set meanings. I like to see how the cards are interacting. Of course, the, the thing about doing a spread with no set meanings is that you need to have a better working understanding of how tarot is, how tarot is structured, how the cards work together, what each card means. Because if you don't have that sense of the underlying structure of the cards, you just have chaos and you could just see a mess of cards. And even though I've been reading for 15, 16 years now, um, it's still not always clear what the cards mean. And I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the structure of tarot. So you, know, you need to, if you want to play around with that, you know, just seeing what, what cards look like next to each other, I say go for it. I think it's really rewarding. Um, when I'm doing a spread with no set meanings, things that I look for are clear patterns. You know, are there a lot of cups? Are there a lot of major arcana? Looking at things like directionality, what direction the people in the cars are facing. Um, looking at some shared symbolism. You know, are there moons on all these? Are there yods present? Are there, you know, dogs? Um, and also looking for some clear notes in the presentation of the cards that shows some, you know, some important bits and where a focal point may be. So if I'm doing a five card spread and I have two minor arcana on one side, two minor arcana on the other side, and a court card or a major arcana right in the middle, then I know that that court card or that major arcana is really the focal point and the other two sets either they're all working together and I kind of read that as a four card support to that one card or it could be it really depends on the cards and it depends on your understanding of the cards to determine whether those are opposing forces and assisting forces whether that's past and future you know it's really, this is where tarot becomes more of an art than a science because you're using your intuition, you're using your knowledge of the cards to craft a spread from whole cloth. Um, so that might be really intimidating if you don't know the cards, but I, I suggest that you play with it anyway. You know, it can be really fun to let go of having to smush a card's meaning into a a small pre-dedicated slot that can be really frustrating you know reading tarot with predetermined spreads for me can feel a lot like writing fan fiction some people I know a lot of people who love writing fan fiction they find it easier to slip into these characters that they're familiar with that have already been kind of created for them and playing around within them for me it feels like I'm trying to speak in an accent that's not my own. And I did theater for many, many years. I never could do accents. I am, I am me, whether or not I want to be me. And my, the, the lens through which I view things is very unique. It's very idiosyncratic. I'm not trying to, you know, be a special snowflake here. It, it just kind of is. I've had a strange life. So it's easier for me a lot of the time to look at the cards without trying to smush a card into a predetermined meaning. 
But it's not always about what I find easiest or best. It's about what the client likes. So um, it's important to know yourself and what you feel like reading at that time. Know your client. And if you're the client, then, you know, all, obviously this all goes out the window. Um, client can also just refer to your friends that you're reading for. You know, it's not. So, you know, it's also something to consider if you're getting a reading. Um, when you're going on Etsy, you will often see different spreads. Um, and that can be one way that you choose a reader if you like the spreads that they're offering. When you go get a live tarot card reading, you're less likely to have that much choice. I mean, a good reader will often ask you if you have any preferences, but especially if you're reading in a busy like festival setting, like the kind that I normally do, it can be pretty difficult to um, have the time to, to go over everything in depth with the client. You know, I'm banging out five minute readings a lot of the time. It goes very quickly. Uh, if I'm sitting down with a client for a longer period of time, that's when I can you know, discuss with them, would you prefer a more uh, form formulated reading? Would you prefer a more loosey-goosey reading? What would you like? What speaks to you? And if you, as a client, kind of know what you're looking for already, not in terms of answers, but in terms of the kind of reading that you want to have, then by all means, let your tarot card reader know. Um, and if they really bristle at that, if they're not willing to work with you, then I would reconsider working with them, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, it's also fun to try to create your own spreads, create them for things that you like. Um, people make spreads based off of uh, fictional things. So there's one Etsy reader I liked for a while who was doing spreads based off of Anne Rice novels. Um, there are spreads to determine your Hogwarts house or using Hogwarts houses as ideas. So, you know, for Ravenclaw, what do you need to know intellectually? For Hufflepuff, how can you interact better with others? You know, uh, for Slytherin, what do you need to be more ambitious about? And for Gryffindor, you know, what do you need to be brave about? That's just, that's an, an idea off the top of my head. You know, you can also find lists online of three card readings. Um, another thing that you can do is just start to create three card readings. You know, there's a good old past, present, future. It's great. It's a standby for a reason. It's nice. Um, you can do start, stop, caution, kind of a, a green, red, yellow thing, like a stoplight. Um, so that you can kind of use that. Or you can do readings. One thing I like to do when I'm doing some tarot card spreads for people if they're choosing between a few romantic partners um, or just assessing readings on different people in their lives, I like to draw at least one card for each of these people, possibly with another card to accompany it. Because again, I don't like to have just one card. I like to have another card to provide it some context. So, you know, that way you can kind of get a sense of, well, you know, this person is the Knight of Pentacles plus the five of swords so they seem really stable but if you stay with them you might be prone to lashing out at them because you find them so boring and stable whereas if you get the three of pentacles plus the ace of cups you know 
you're going to be building a foundation with somebody who is going to really have a lot to offer you emotionally. So, you know, based on those two people, I'd, I'd go with the Three of Pentacles person. Um, but yeah, that's about all I've got for this uh, tarot card spread ramble. You know, play around with different kinds of spreads to see what helps you. Um, play around with the kinds of readings you like to do. Do you like to do long readings that involve a lot of cards? You know, there's readings that go all the way up to the full deck. Or do you like to do readings that are more quick and dirty? Do you like just the three card structure? Or are you more like me and you like to put the cards down and see how they interact and play with each other? Um, try them all out. Try to formulate some of your own readings. And when you're doing readings, you'll start figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. You know, let's say you create a tarot card spread and you want it to be about, I don't know, Mercury and retrograde. So you have some cards and you do a couple readings with it and you don't find it to be that clear. Like you find that you, know, you keep trying to put a card down for what you should avoid saying during this time of miscommunication. And you feel like that card doesn't really work in the spread because it's already addressed by other cards. You feel like maybe it's a little superfluous. Get rid of it. Modify it. Change it. None of these card spreads are set in stone, much like all of tarot. You know, you can, you can change or modify the readings that you do at any time. You don't need to stick to the same thing just because you've read for other people and you have a routine. No, you should be changing and evolving and growing as a reader. And if you're reading for yourself, that you'll really be able to get this acute sense of what you feel like. Sometimes it's nice to have some structure to fall back on when you're feeling a little out of sorts. Sometimes it's nice to have some more freedom to play instead of boxing yourself in. Go with your mood. See what you feel like doing. Um, and, you know, have some fun with it. You can also get readings from other people to see what you like. Uh, again, Etsy is a great place to go. For reasons of not wanting to, you know, just share everything, a lot of readers, myself included, may not share all the details of all the spreads until you buy a reading. You know, I offer a build me up buttercup spread and based on the pictures, you wouldn't be able to really tell what's going on. But, you know, in that spread, I have cards that are supposed to help you feel better about yourself and what's going on in your life. So that spread is something I developed myself. I didn't, you know, didn't find it on a website. I made it myself. And I'm obviously I have this free podcast. I'm not opposed to giving things away for free, but I also do this as a gig. So I don't share the details of that particular spread to the general public. Um, if you want to support tarot readers as well, you know, you can buy a reading from them. And some tarot card readers will say, I got this spread from XYZ. Um, you know, I use my my 12 card wheel of the year spread, which is great for birthdays or New Year's. I got that spread, even though it's it's not totally unique to this either. Basically, I got it from a little white book that came with my vampire tarot. And, um, you know, I love that 
that spread, I've changed a little bit. I made it my own, but I also gave credit to where I found it from. Some readers will be like, yes, please use this, use a spread, use it professionally, just give me some credit. And other readers will say, no, do not steal my spread. Um, so definitely be careful of that, you know. It's fine to get inspiration from other readers, but make sure that you're doing so within the boundaries that they've set. Um, and, you know, you can decide when you make your own spreads. Do you want to share this on a blog or on Instagram? Or do you want to keep it to yourself? Neither one is a bad idea. Um, but I do recommend that you take some kind of record of your tarot card spreads, whether you type up which position each card is, whether you take pictures with, you know, notes scribbled next to them, and whether you have a dedicated grimoire or notebook or binder about this. But keep a record of the spreads that you do and the positions that you use because you may find yourself liking some styles better than others and having some data, some actual research data of your own to fall back on and extrapolate from is really useful. This is where my science life is uh, connecting with my tarot life. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I had some fun talking about it. I felt like it was a big ramble, but you know, you guys seem to like that. Um, make sure you email me at antifragiletarot at gmail.com with any questions, comments. Uh, if you want that handout that I'm preparing, definitely hit me up. You can also find me on Instagram and Tumblr at antifragiletarot, one word. You can find me on Facebook at Antifragile Tarot, two words. Antifragile is one word, tarot is the next. Um, if you like this podcast and you'd like to support me and what I'm doing, if you'd like to support the upcoming Antifragile Oracle, uh, please consider subscribing to my Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a big difference. Um, and if you do $5 a month or more, I offer tarot card readings monthly. Different decks, different cool things. Some months I do a loosey-goosey. Some months I do different spreads. For instance, for New Year's on my Patreon, I did a spread of what to leave behind in 2017, what to welcome in 2018, and how to get there. That was easy for three cards. I did it for five cards as well. I uh, just did two, two, and one. Um, most months, though, I just tend to see how the cards interact. But you know, just as I talked about in this podcast, I go with my gut. I see if there's something I would like to do a set reading on or not. So that's a big perk if you are a Patreon patron. Um, I also do events. My next event will be on April 21st. It will be the spring morning event at Kearney Point in Kearney, New Jersey. I would love to see you there. Get a reading from me. Come say hi. So... Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks again to my patrons. I hope you have a witchy and or wonderful week. Bye.